John chapter 10, if you would go there. We are going to be in John chapter 10 this morning. John 10, we'll start reading in verse number 1, and we'll read down through verse number 18. The Bible says in John 10, verse number 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth out his own sheep by name. He calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, and go, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were, which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that you are our good shepherd and you are the door. Lord, I pray for this, uh, this text here that we're going to study. I pray that you would give the, your grace and your spirit's uh, presence and uh, movement among us, Lord, that you would stir among us, each and every person here as they listen to the word. Lord, please give me wisdom to know what to say and not to say and help, Lord, your people to hear it. Uh, by the teaching of your Spirit, and uh, Lord, apply it in whatever way that you see fit as we look at this Word in detail. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's here, and I thank you for what you're doing in our church, and I pray that you would continue to stir among us, Lord, and revive us and quicken us. Lord, uh, thank you for the grace of God in our lives. Bless this time now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you read, when you read chapter 10, of course, you can't start in chapter 10. It just, as you can see, 
verse 41 of chapter 9 goes straight into chapter 10. So the break here is just kind of arbitrary. But chapter 9 is the chapter that deals with the uh, healing of the blind man. And of course, if you look at verse number, uh, verse 33 down through verse uh, 34 of chapter 9, what 30, 13 through 34 is, is those are verses that deal, it's essentially a conversation between this healed blind man and the shepherds, air quotes, the shepherds of Israel. In other words, the blind man, as a result of his just being blind and then the Lord healing him, he was just taken to task uh, by the, the leaders of Israel in chapter 9. And they, they called his parents, and his parents didn't want to say, be too committed to what happened, although they knew. And they asked him a couple times, and finally he said, will you be his disciples? They get out of here. We are Moses' disciples. And you have, you have that instance. So you have a, a good picture of the shepherds of Israel. Not a good picture at all, really. It's a, it's a very poor testimony to what the state of, the, of religion was, especially the leadership of religion. It was bad in Israel. They had all the, the, uh, the, the outworkings, all the visible signs of religion, but they were rotten to the core. And that's why you have chapters like Matthew chapter 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And how the Lord was very, just pulled no punches when he talked about them. So this is, this is the context of chapter 10. The shepherds of Israel have just like railroaded a guy for doing nothing other than being healed. He did literally nothing. And they just, they cast him out. Verse number 35 says, and Jesus heard that they had cast this blind man out. Now, what's interesting is what the Lord says in verse number one and verse number two, because what's kind of difficult in, in this chapter is you have two things happening parallel. You have two uh, illustrations of Jesus at the same time in chapter, chapter 10. Jesus is the door, verse nine, I am the door. And then Jesus is also the shepherd in verse 11. And in verses 1 and 2, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So the door is Jesus. Verse 12 says, But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So the door is Jesus, but also the shepherd is Jesus. You can't get into the sheepfold without Jesus. And then the person who enters in to lead the sheep out is also Jesus. So you have both of these happening at the same time. And if we don't understand that, it gets, it gets a little bit confusing. But the thieves and the robbers in verse number one are a reference to those Pharisees and to those leaders, air quote, shepherds of Israel, that, were, that their, their character was perfectly illustrated in chapter 9. And so the Lord addresses the thieves and the robbers. How do we know they're a thief and a robber? Because number one, they were leaders in Israel. But number two, they didn't go through the door. Jesus is the door. See, that's, that's, what, that's who he's talking about. These thieves and robbers the Lord is re referring to references the leaders of the Jews because they had rejected the, the door. Jesus is the door. Verse 2 says that plainly. So you have, this, you have this situation with these leaders. You have the Lord. He's going to use this example of, uh, 
of a shepherd and sheep. Now, what you have to understand is a few terms we've got to get right. Otherwise, we, 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 it won't make any sense. Number one, you have to understand that the, the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep is something that's kind of unique. It's not a common relationship that we might have with animals. You say relationship with animals, but really, it really was that. You realize shepherds in Israel at this time spent most of their time in the middle of nowhere with sheep. (laughs) That's a pretty lonely place unless you make friends with sheep. And that's what they did. These sheep, you know, it might might, might be comparable to the relationship, you know, that I might have with my dog. You know, man's best friend. You give the dog a name. You talk to the dog, oh, you, you, you know, you scratch, oh, you like those scratches? That's what I say to my dog, you know. And my dog knows, you know, my dog will come by and, and brush up against me and position himself or herself, because we have two, in just the right position to get just the right scratches, and they know that, and they, you know, you, their demeanor changes when the alpha comes home or when the kids come home and come downstairs in the morning, that kind of thing. All the, you know, that's, a, that's a, like a relationship, but that's, I guess, the best illustration to describe this sheep-shepherd relationship. It was a, it was kind of a rather intimate kind of situation. He spent all his time with them and he knew them and they were named and they, he knew all of them. He could point them out. It wasn't just like a flock of sheep as he knew them, each one. They knew him and he knew their, their demeanor and their activities and their, their tendencies. And, and the, 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 the sheep also knew the voice of the shepherd. So this is, as you can see, this is kind of an interesting situation, but it would have been very uh, very familiar to those that were listening to the Lord at this time. The other thing we need to define is a sheepfold. A sheepfold is not, as, as sometimes people think, is not a flock or a group of sheep. A sheepfold is an enclosure, a pen. And in the Bible times, the sheepfold would be, basically it would be a, an enclosure that was built up with a wall of basically stone tall enough to keep the bad animals out, the wolves, the thieves, that kind of thing. And on top of that stone wall would be, you know, different kinds of thorny briars and bushes and things to, you know, to uh, prevent like barbed wire, but the natural kind. And to keep the animals in and to keep the bad things out. And so that's what a sheepfold is. And you'll understand why that matters in just a minute. Okay, so read verse number three. To him, that's the shepherd, The porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. So here's what happens. The, the, The shepherd goes into the sheepfold. Remember, that's an enclosure. That's the pen. The shepherd goes into the sheepfold, and within that sheepfold will be several flocks of sheep. Not all of his sheep but several flocks of sheep. So not every flock had its own fold and, uh, or enclosure. There would be several flocks that would be there at night and would rest at night to protect them. So the shepherd would come in the morning and he would go into the fold and he would call his own sheep. And whatever sound he would make, whatever thing he would say, those sheep would hear it and would recognize his voice. The other sheep that were other fold that were in in, in uh, that were other people's flocks, other shepherds' flocks, would not respond. Only his own sheep would. That's why it says 
his, he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And so he would walk out of the fold and there would be a little line of sheep that would come after him. And those were his sheep. The other sheep in that fold were not his sheep. They were sheep, but not his sheep. But the, the, the sheep that followed him out were his sheep. Now, so they recognized his voice. And other, the other sheep did not recognize his voice. Look at verses 26 and 7. It says this, Jesus said, now he's applying his illustration now to these Jews. He says, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. Notice, remember what I said? You're not of my sheep. In other words, in that fold, there were sheep that were not the shepherd's sheep. There were other people's sheep. And Jesus is saying, you're like those. Because when I talk, you don't respond. My sheep hear my voice, 27, and I know them, and they follow me. What a perfect illustration of what he does when he goes into that fold. He says, they know the voice, and he walks out, and they go right behind him. It's predictable. It's a part of their character. It's a part of their very nature to follow the shepherd. So here's what we see. This relates a little bit to what I said on last Sunday. Number one, the sheep hear and recognize the shepherd's voice. You see that all over this passage. Chapter, uh, we've already, well, let's look at verse five. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. The voice is a big thing here. Verse eight says this, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not, what? Hear them. Verse number 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. And what's the next phrase? and am known of mine. The sheep know him. Verse 16, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And then we just read verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. This is a very basic and fundamental characteristic of God's children. In this passage, the sheep represent God's people. Okay, the sheep represent God's people. That is the sheep that belong to the good shepherd. Not all the other sheep, but those particular sheep. And those represent God's people in this case. In this case, Israel. So what you have in following, again, you have to understand the context. There were all kinds of sheep in Israel. In other words, the, the Jews were God's sheep. They're called that in the Old Testament. The Jews were God's sheep. But not all of the Jews were Jesus' sheep. He said, we just read it in verse 26 and 7, ye are not of my sheep. So there were Jews there who, who were part of the covenant people of God, but were not any, they were not Jesus' sheep. They were aliens to that shepherd. They were, you might call them, they were, they were wandered sheep. They just wandered off. They were not, they should have been part of his flock, but they weren't. But here's the thing I want you to understand. This is a basic and fundamental characteristic of a child of God. As I said last Sunday, they hear and recognize His voice. You know, that matches what we studied last Sunday because every believer, every believer has the presence of the Spirit of God. And you know what? Because you have the Spirit of God, that inner man in you, that the Spirit of man is no longer dead but alive. And so God's voice, whereas before was unrecognizable, is now known and familiar 
But here's the thing. But the lost, those that are not God's children, they do not know God's voice. Oftentimes, just like the stranger with the sheep, oftentimes they hear God's voice and they flee. Like, the, like with Adam and Eve in the garden. Remember, Adam sinned and Eve sinned. And, and the Lord cried out and said, Adam, where art thou? And he fled and hid himself. You see, if you do not, if you do not know God's voice, and of course we know we're not talking about anything hocus pocus here. We're talking about the Word of God using the, with the Spirit of God. And again, as I said last Sunday, that's, sometimes that's difficult to describe, but I'll just say it like this. Every child of God knows God's voice. Maybe it's hard to define, but every child of God knows God's voice because of the Spirit of God in them. And if you do not have the Spirit of God, God's voice is not going to be familiar to you. The second thing I want you to see is that the shepherd leads the sheep. Notice, he calls them out, and he, lead, he walks out, and they follow him. So he's going to go wherever he, he, the shepherd is going to go first, wherever he wants the sheep to go. And that matches what we studied last Sunday, which is, as many as, Romans 8, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Lord always leads his people. In other words, there is a, God is leading his people at all times. We are not floating. We're not wandering. We might feel that way, but God is leading us. Third thing I want you to see is that the sheep do follow him. Look at this. In verse number four. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. You know what this is? This is not a conditional statement, if the sheep follow him. This is also not a what you might call a prescriptive statement. The sheep should follow him. No, 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 no. This is a declarative statement. It says, and the sheep follow him. You know what that means? That means the sheep follow the shepherd, and it is one of the characteristics of a sheep, and that shepherd-sheep relationship. We talked about on last Sunday how one of the marks of a true believer is that they do righteousness. Not should do, although they should, but they do it. Why? Because they follow the shepherd. When, again, I'm repeating myself on purpose, okay? If there is a person who says they're one of God's sheep and they do not follow the shepherd, that is not compatible with the Scripture. It's just not compatible. It is a mark that you do not hear the shepherd's voice because you don't follow him. This is, this is natural. This is normal. We might say this is nominal, nominal for every single born-again Christian is that they follow. Now, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit not everyone follows the shepherd as faithfully, as closely as we all should. But the fact of us following is a fact. And the sheep follow him. This is what they do. This is a de declaration. This is a characteristic of God's sheep in, in relationship to God. This is what sheep will do. Now let's look at verse not, number 9. 
Verse 7 says, Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I'm going to read verse 10 because verse 9 and 10 go together. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You see this? Save. Now in this context, what is this, in verse number 9, what is this saved? He goes into the door, the sheep go in through the door, Jesus is the door, and they're saved. From what are they saved in this context? They're saved from harm that comes from the thieves and the robbers. The harm that comes from the wolves and the dangers outside of the fold. They're saved from that. Now we know that's not what Jesus is referring to in the the illustration. He's referring to a, a greater salvation than just that. But we are also saved those that have entered the fold, from those that steal and kill and to destroy. You know, you know our enemy, Satan, you know, we would, I, I, I always catch myself when I talk about the devil because the devil is, is often, the, the concept of a devil is often mocked. But let me tell you something. His strategies and his schemes and his plans are grand. They're on a large scale. They're designed to ensnare and entrap millions. You know what they do? I'm talking about religions, world religions, whose structure has been built up over hundreds and sometimes thousands of years to ensnare and trap as many and catch as many people in his net as possible and drag their soul to hellfire. That is the devil. That is his work. We're not talking about the devil. Ooh, you should drink that alcohol or you should smoke that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something way bigger than that and way more dangerous, way more nefarious and way more sinister than the devil, a little devil sitting on your shoulder like is popularizing on TV and such. The enemy will steal you. He will kill you. He will destroy you. He will take your life. I'm talking if you're not in God's fold, He will take your life and He will take your very soul to the lake of fire. This is something we ought not just wink at. We ought not just overlook. This is a serious business because the thieves are out there to take people's soul and they will. But you know what? In verse 9, there was only a single door to be saved. The, the rulers did not go in through that door. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any enter in, he shall be saved. Without that door, there is no access. There is no way to get eternal life except that door. Except that name. No other way. No religion, no church, no act of homage, no religious rite. Jesus, faith in Jesus Christ is the only door. He is the door. Verse 10 says this, matches verse number 9. Notice in verse 9 he says, He shall be saved. Verse 10 says, The thief cometh to steal, kill, destroy. I am come they might have life. You notice life in both. Saved, life, 
And then verse number nine, he says, and shall go in and out and find pasture. And number 10, verse 10 says that they might have life more abundantly. So not only does the Lord save his sheep from danger and those that would destroy them and gives us life in verse 10, Jesus came that they might have life. And without Jesus, you have no life. You're a dead man living. You're dead in sin. You have no life. You have no claim to God. It doesn't matter what your religion says. It doesn't matter what your church teaches. You, without Christ, are without life whatsoever. Without life. But Jesus came to give us life. And he gives us life. And then once we have life, we are saved. Right? That's what he said, verse 9. Then he says, all right, now you can go in and out and you can find pasture. In other words, he takes care of us. And everybody says, listen, Life more abundant. There are churches named after that phrase. Life more abundant. We're not talking about you having money or you always being well in body. Abundant life is not talking about those kinds of things. It's not talking about, you know, the Joel Osteen type of, uh, you know, uh, your best life now and you're going to be prosperous and you're going to be successful in all that you do. We're not talking about that. And we know if, if God gives us that, we thank him for it. But that's not the abundant life we're talking about here. We're talking about the abundant life that God gives us here on this earth that sustains us and gives us joy and gives us peace. And you know what? If you have a life and you're a believer and you're living a life that's miserable and without joy and without strength and you have no spiritual energy and you have no victory, you know what? You're not living an abundant life. You might have a a full bank account, but you do not have an abundant life. But Jesus came not only to save us, but to give us an abundant life. That is joy and peace and, and happiness and glory and victory now. And he is the one that takes us out to pasture. Look at verse 28. We see this concept of life. And I will give. He's talking about sheep. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. Verse 28, And I give unto them, what kind of life? Eternal life. And they shall never perish. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. See this? This is what was required for the sheep to have life. An exchange. Verse number 12 says... Uh, I'm sorry, verse number 13, the hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. You see, the shepherd cares for the sheep. So he was willing to lay down his life for the sheep. This is how the Lord, the good shepherd, gave life to the sheep. By laying his own life down. Now look at, really quick, look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, I want to show you an example of a shepherd. And this is an illustration of what we're reading here. 1 Samuel 17, verse 33. Saul is trying to prepare David to go fight Goliath. Trying to get get him to put his armor on. Trying to have a conversation with him by that. Verse 33 says this, 1 Samuel 17 And Saul said to David, 
Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he, be, he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, listen to this. Thy servant kept his father's sheep. Notice it's his father's sheep. Jesus said in this passage in John that the sheep were given to Jesus by his father. Here David is watching his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went, went out after them and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant both slew both, uh, slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Think about David. What did David do? How many of you would stay in your house if you saw a bear or a lion? You know what David did? Watching those sheep, a lion and a bear came and took one of the lambs out of the flock, and David risked literally, he is a teenager, at this point, he's a teenager. He went with his sling. Well, actually, I'm, I'm reading between the lines there. It doesn't say that. But David went after the lion and the bear. He, you see, he risked his life. He traded his own life for that sheep. You see, that relationship is not just a normal relationship. He cared about the sheep. He was willing to die to save that sheep. And the Bible says he caught it by its beard. He laid his very hands on those animals. Listen, a bear or a lion, I mean, in a, in a flash could tear us to shreds. No problem at all. It wouldn't even be difficult. Yet David went out because of his care for the sheep. His father's sheep. You know, the hireling wouldn't do that because the hireling is con concerned only with self-interest. But the shepherd cares for the sheep. You see, David gave his life for the sheep, risked his life, but our Lord did even more than that. The Lord laid down his life. We think about Memorial Day. I'm almost finished. You know, those that gave their lives, but let's keep everything in context. Sometimes we Christianize America. That's why it's, it's clear, it's, it's important to make a distinction a lot of people that come from other countries come to America and they assume, well, in my country that we were Buddhist or we were Muslim or whatever we were, and so now I'm in America, so now I have to be a Christian. That's not how it works. And we Christianize things like Memorial Day. You know, we honor those that gave their lives, but sometimes there's even comparisons made, and God forbid that we should make a comparison with some political leader with Christ. That's been done recently. That is not right. But... The soldiers that died, you know, no soldier goes overseas to give his life, <laughs> right? They don't go overseas to die. They go overseas out of duty because they were ordered to. And some of them die, sadly. But the Lord laid down his life. It was a voluntary act because he loved his sheep. He loved his sheep. That was his mission and purpose from the beginning. You know what? A man may die in battle. He might even jump on a hand grenade. He might even be honored with a, with a, a, a Congressional Medal of Honor as a result of his, his actions on the, on the field of battle. But you know what? He might save his comrade, and that has happened. But that man that he saves is only saved from death temporarily. 
But when Jesus Christ laid down his life, it was for our eternal life. It was to take our sin away. He exchanged himself. He became sin for us. And the last thing I want us to see from verse number 14 is this. The Lord says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. I just want to remind you. The shepherd knows you, dear sheep. The shepherd cares for you, dear sheep. Consider how he demonstrated this. How did he show his care for the sheep? Because he went out against that lion and bear. He voluntarily laid his life down. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So whether it's physical suffering or disease, some sort of mental anguish, a difficult trial, whether you have a financial need, you're under persecution, you're being tempted to sin, or whatever else it might be. In all cases and in all circumstances, the shepherd cares for you, dear sheep. You will never be plucked out of his hand. It is simply impossible. Verse 28. This is the relationship we have with our Lord as the shepherd. But I want to ask you a question. Are you one of God's sheep? Or are you of another flock that doesn't recognize his voice? Are you one of God's sheep? Let's pray.